intro it's time it's time your boys are back for a classic pay-per-view review like we've enjoyed the fuck out of these classic pay-per-view reviews as well like we enjoy doing the weekly stuff this gives us a lot of time to kind of vent some freaking rants out and shit like that but it's like getting to go back and see some of the shows like stuff we didn't get to see stuff we've already seen but get to rewatch it again like it's been awesome love it Love doing it. So, our last one was No Way Out 2000. Now we're doing NXT. We finally drew an NXT pay-per-view. NXT TakeOver Toronto. It was the show before SummerSlam. We had... It was on... Toronto 2019. Yes. August 10th, 2019. Scotiabank Arena. Attendance was 13,735. We looked at the attendance, or how much, uh, like, capacity they hold. It holds a lot. Yeah. You know, it had, it wasn't, like... It differs between, like, uh, seating and standing, but... Yeah. It's a decent number. It's a, for a takeover, that's decent. Yeah. For a show that, for a, a arena that's, like, for basketball is almost 20,000, like, Theater is, like, the lowest one there, but it's, like, hockey and all these other numbers on there. It's, like, high numbers for, like, those for those sports, and it's, like, for pro wrestling, it's, like, this is a decent number. Yeah. So, right before SummerSlam 2019, which, of course, just looking at that card, I kind of dread pulling that show because, if I remember correctly, this show wasn't the greatest either. Yeah, the card just does not look good. I mean, we know, I mean, Toronto has been, is known to be a pretty solid crowd. But it's like, our one gripe for this whole show here was the crowd, basically. The crowd fucking sucked. Like, I don't know what it was with Toronto. They were like, they'd make noise, and then they'd kind of just die. And then they'd make noise again, and then just die. And I was just like, come on, guys, like... I have heard way more energetic crowds from an NXT show than this. Like, it was just a really big, like, letdown that Toronto just didn't give that much energy to it. And we know that they're known to be, like, one of those, like, crowds that give off freaking hella energy. But, you know, we... But the card, it was a great card. Yeah. Hands down, great card. I say we jump right into it, because there wasn't really much, like, we don't have to, like, talk about much going into it, like... Yeah, like, there, there was two pre-show matches. There's not the pre- they're not pre-show matches. They were taped for the NXT that happened after, remember? Because you remember how NXT used to do the whole... Oh, remember okay, how they'd yeah. have the after show, oh. and mostly it was just highlights of what happened on the show, and then, like, two matches? Yeah. that Those two were matches that happened on that NXT following. So... 
That makes sense. Yeah. So, show kicked off. NXT Tag Team Champions, Street Profits, defending against Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Now, of course, this is off of Bobby Fish's like injury, and he was out for the longest time. Finally was back. The Street Profits had just won the tag team titles in a fatal four-way ladder match after Viking Raiders vacated the titles. This was when, I believe, Viking Raiders got called up. Yeah, they got called up, and then on their first day, they like they changed their names, and they showed up there, the Viking Experience. Ugh, it's the worst name they could have ever called them. It was the dumbest name ever, and they still have that as their tag team finisher at one point, and it was like... Somebody in creative must have loved that name. They're like, if we can't fucking call those guys the Viking Experience, they're going to have a fucking move called the Viking Experience. (laughs) Somebody must have went to, like, a fucking Viking exhibit and was like, it's the Viking Experience. It was just like, oh, God. Who were the other teams in that ladder match? It was Street Profits. It was... Was Lorkin and Birch in that match? Yes, that was one of them as well. I think... Undisputed Era was in it. I believe so. Let me and keep then, checking. Um, Viking Raiders had vacated the titles. A four-way ladder match for the titles at NXT 25. At TakeOver 25. Sons. Yep. We had Lorkin and Birch, Forgotten Sons, and Undisputed Era. And then the Street Profits. Street Profits had won the titles. It was, you know, I, I love the Street Profits. This was three years ago, and I don't remember it's tough to remember all this shit. You can't just keep fucking locked in all this goddamn wrestling in your brain. It floats into your freaking brain. You remember it the night of, and then it's just like, oh, well, and now it's been a couple years, and I'm supposed to still remember this? No, it's not easy to remember this shit. But that's, again, this was the only NXT tag team title run of the Street Profits. Because they're only... It's crazy to think that they're only a three-time tag team champion. And they've held every tag team championship. Yeah. But they've only held them once. One of the few tag teams that have done that. Which... Bonk... Which is just fucking bonkers. The only other one is, of course, FTR. Well, Alpha Academy. Or Chad Gable, I should say. Yeah, but we're talking about teams. Teams. Like, team-wise. Yeah. The only other team is FTR slash Revival. And Street Profits are the only other ones in WWE that have held every tag team championship as a team. If, technically, if you want to say that American Alpha did, you technically could. But they didn't do it together. Yeah, they're talking about together. Like, stayed together as a team. Because both Chad Gable and Jason Jordan have yes. won all three of the belts, just American, not together. American Alpha deserved to have held the Raw titles. Like, that whole... I, I wish we could have completely erased Kurt Angle's illegitimate son bullshit <laughs> and kept American Alpha. Like, I am sorry. It is fucking stupid. It's like, still... The fact that American Alpha, one of the most over teams, was, like, fucking split up for this, mo- like, absolutely fucking ridiculous and garbage BS 
of, I wonder who's Kurt Angle's illegitimate son that apparently he's had an affair with, and we just need to know this so bad. Like, I don't care who the fuck Kurt's dick's been inside. I don't give a fuck. Like, this shouldn't be something that we need to see on television. And I know this is still off track. Uh, I just have to bring this up. What a rapid decline for the Forgotten Sons. God, I miss... I'm, I'm sorry. The Forgotten Sons got fucked. They did. And I blame... And I will blame Jackson Riker forever. Mm-hmm. That motherfucker is the reason why they got fucked. They were literally hitting a stride in NXT, and they were, like, literally, like, people were enjoying the shit out of them. Even though they were heels. They were actually enjoyable. Because remember, they had the, the Dusty Cup appearance, and they did fucking amazing in yeah, that. Yeah, they went to the finals. Yes, they did amazing in that tournament. And it was like, I really liked the Forgotten Sons, and then they got called to the main roster, and I'm like, cool, this is awesome. A freaking really solid tag and team I, I that think, could fit in the tag division. I think that's mainly their problem, was that they were called up. If I don't think they were ready in that time. and It might have been it, too it, soon. It doesn't help the fact that Jackson Riker's a fucking piece of shit. I mean, Jackson Riker... <sighs> I still say it's bullshit that they got fucking punished for Jackson Riker's fucking, like, sayings and doings. I'm sorry, that's bullshit. Yeah. Just because he's associated with them doesn't mean punish the whole group. Yeah. It's it's just BS to this day. But yeah, still, Street Profits, their first and only run with the NXT tag titles after winning a fatal four-way ladder match after the Viking Raiders vacate the titles, defend against... Undisputed Era, who's in the process of going for their third tag team title run. This is before the prophecy, the golden prophecy, that yeah, gets, before, gets fulfilled. Before Undisputed Era is holding all the gold. Mm-hmm. This is where they're trying to go for all the gold. Yes, this is a Roger start. Roger Strong is, is in a yes. match later on. And Cole's in the main event. Yep. So Cole is already champion. This match is awesome. Yeah. Hands down awesome. Like I know people give the Street Profits shit. Nowadays, and a lot of people are like, they should just break them up, Tez should go solo, Dawkins can do whatever. No, you leave these two as a tag team. You could see the difference of Montez Ford and even Andrew Dawkins just you can three see years the ago. You can see the, yeah, you could see how much they've grown yeah. over the years. And not, not, not even, like, wrestling-wise, like... Well, they've uh, definitely grown. Both of them have definitely yeah, grown wrestling-wise. Montez is fucking jacked up. Fucking Andrew Dawkins is slimmed down a little bit. Like, say Dawkins nowadays has slimmed the fuck down Andrew compared Dawkins to... Dawkins in this match looked pretty fucking fat. Not, not that that's a bad thing. He's not, he wasn't really that big, but he's still a big guy. Yeah. He's always been a big guy, and he's always going to be a big guy. He's definitely slimmed down, though. Mm-hmm. But he's still athletic as shit. He can move fucking like he's, like, got Nas attached to him. Yeah. Which is nuts. This match is awesome. Like, again, there's so many spots. Like, this is a lot of sequence. It's sequence heavy. And I love that. I love when a tag match gets sequence heavy. I love a multi-man match that gets sequence heavy. I love a singles match that's sequence heavy. Yeah. Like, this one had, like, probably one of my favorite spots. The whole... Dawkins comes in and he eats the knee from O'Reilly, which knocked him back and into the corner. And then he came back and O'Reilly put him in the in the guillotine. 
He had him in the guillotine, and then literally as he backed up in the corner, Tez made the sneak tag and came up the top with the blockbuster and it turned into the spine and blockbuster at the same time. It was just like great tag team moves in this, just fast-paced action. You had Undisputed Era trying to wear them down. You know, they were dissecting body parts and working the legs. Like, the whole sequence of... We had O'Reilly take down Montez Ford and put him in the in the heel hook, and Tez went for the rope and tried to and try to reach for the rope, and all of a sudden Bobby Fish comes off the top rope with the fucking headbutt, and it was like holy shit! Like even what led to that whole thing, the exploder off the top into the diving knee right into the heel hook, yeah, that led to that heel hook, and he went for the rope, and you get Bobby Fish coming off with the headbutt, O'Reilly pulls him back in the middle, locks him in back into the heel hook. Fish goes to intercept Dawkins, and they're throwing bombs and kicks at each other, and all of a sudden just Dawkins just picks up Bobby Fish and spine busters him right on top of Kyle O'Reilly. It looked fucking brutal. Yeah, that, this match was really good. Uh, both teams are fucking awesome. They're literally awesome. The ending is just, is just as awesome. You get Tez doing the huge dive out to the floor. You get him rolling him back in. Dawkins gets back in. He goes to spear them both. He gets one and then comes back and spears the other, like, in sequence. And then the frog splashed by Tez and retains. This match goes 16 minutes and 55 seconds. Street Profits retain. Awesome way to kick off the show. Tag team titles. One of those freaking things that always starts off a takeover and always is, like, stealing the show. Yeah. Because literally takeover has one of my favorite like, tag team title matches that starts the show. They have two of There's two of them, actually, that start the show. And, it, of course, it's the tag team titles kicking off the show, which is awesome. Which you have Lorcan and Birch versus Undisputed Era, where the crowd is fully behind Undisputed Era the entire time. And then Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan put in such a hell of a fucking performance that it literally turns the crowd... To just root for them both. They just don't care. They're like, let's just go both of you at this fucking point. Which I love that match. And then there's the Viking Raiders and Ricochet and Aleister Black one. That is probably one of my favorite ones right there completely. Because it's just, love the Viking Raiders. Love Ricochet and Malachi Black. So, love it when a tag team title match starts off the show doesn't always have to start off the show it doesn't and it doesn't always start off the show but this one starting off the show was perfect way to start it off yeah we now move on to Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae now they showed the video package of what the hell's that led to this and I love the entire story you get Io going for the NXT Women's Championship and Candice has her back, you know, because you start to see Shayna having, you know, help from Marina and Jessamine all yeah. the time. And we'll get to that when we talk about Shayna Baszler's match, like, like Shayna Baszler later on. But Candice comes out and makes the save for her so she can keep her mind back on the match. But, she, of course, she turns back around, gets put in the Kirifuda, taps out. Shayna retains. And that's when Io snapped one night. She just picked up a kendo stick and starts wailing on Shayna Baszler. Just revenge for that whole shit. Just, she just loses her mind. She finally gets her rematch on NXT in a cage match. 
which again, awesome match. Shayna, of course, gets help. Candice, of course, intervenes to help her, to help Io. And in the end, Shayna still ends up retaining after Io was using the door. While she was trapped in the Kirifuda, she used the door. And, of course, it knocked Shayna out, and Shayna just slid off her back and fell out of the cage. Immediately after this, I loved her in this video package because we get Poppy's song, Scary Mask, playing in the background, which that's a great fucking song. You just see her, both of them get up, she just looks over at Candice LeRae, and decks her. And it's just like, the night that happened, it was one of those, holy fuck, what the hell's going on here? Like, she's attacking Candace, all she's been doing is helping EO, having her back, and she's just like, fuck this, like, I've had enough of her shit. And just lays her out in the cage, she hit her with the brain buster on the chair. EO then came out. Also, at one point, and just and does the whole, I don't need any friends, I don't need any of you. She had that look of like she had when she was in Lucha Underground for the night with Penta, with the Black Lotus Tribe, which was fucking awesome. I love that whole thing. Like, I kind of, I think we should find Lucha Underground somewhere and actually rewatch some of that stuff and start breaking into that, because that'd be fucking awesome to go back and watch that again. Yeah, I mean, if we could find it. I think either... I think Tubi has it. Yeah? Yeah, so we might have to do some old Lucha Underground stuff again. But of course, EO, like I said, does the whole, we, I don't need any of you, I don't need any friends, no nothing. And she starts having that aggressive side to her. Because she even, I think she had one match beforehand. But of course, it was a jobber match. Yeah. But she has, this is going to be the first time we're seeing, because even then, she wrestled in what she was in. She had the black leather pants on at first and just, like, the top on, and that was about it. Like, she didn't have the new gear that we saw in this match at first. So, she comes out, brand new music, brand new freaking, like, wrestling gear. I love this Io Shirai. Yeah. I did. Like, this was my, one of my favorite, this is my favorite Io Shirai. Like, don't get me wrong, I like, you know, baby face and whatever the hell Io, Io Shirai we had beforehand, the genius of the sky, like they called her. But this Io Shirai is the best. You yeah, know, she's ever, turning up the notch on the freaking aggression. Ever since she turned heel, the, just the, the production value and the presentation of her entrance is just so good. It is. It always is. Love Candice LeRae. I know you have been picky with Candice and with Johnny over the years. Well, the, there was a time in NXT that I just did not like the both of them because they decided to book them literally the same way. Yes. They were. It was just Super Johnny and Super Candice. Mm-hmm. They would kick out of at three or kick out at two and at fucking nine tenths on everything. We're fucking forty five minutes into a match and they're still kicking out of everything, no selling. Mm-hmm. And I'm I at. At one point, I was just tired of mm-hmm. seeing those two. And not to mention, also at that point, they were just getting title match after title match after title match mm-hmm. after title match after title match. Well, Candice, remember, she, at this point, she never had a title match at the yeah. time. This, Johnny was getting multiple. This wasn't around that time that they were both getting that high push. No, this was Johnny still getting a lot of titles, though. Yeah. Title matches, though. 
Like, he just... I think, I think, I think this a, is just after the, the Champa stuff. Yeah. So... I think this is a couple months away from the Johnny Candace, like, couple push. Yeah. I believe so, too. So... This match goes 15 minutes solid, and it's a f- absolutely fantastic match. Oh, yeah. It Love was, it. Story it so leading good. up to it is fantastic. The match itself is fantastic. We only had literally the same gripe on it, and that was the ending. Like It had an AEW-type ending. Yeah, and that was my one little thing about it. Because we get... Io hits the moonsault, mm-hmm. which is her finisher. Rarely anyone ever kicks out of the moonsault. Yeah, literally, freaking Mora Ranallo, which first off, I love Mora Ranallo. I don't get people's hatred for Mora Ranallo. I personally like Moro, but I also understand what everyone's criticism for him is. I, because there I love is Moro. so many references and some of them just don't hit some of them feel forced and out of place and just completely random and it sort of just like completely just disengages you from the action like you're you're watching and then you hear Moro Ronaldo make this stupid fucking analogy and you're like what? what the <laughs> fuck did he just say? And then you're trying to think about and fucking trying to piece together what he just said, and then you're missing the action, and you're like, oh, oh fuck it, whatever, just go back to the Ugh. action. But yeah. Eo hits the moonsault, which is basically a 100% guarantee that Eo try wins at mm-hmm. that point, but then Candace kicks out. Yeah, because even Moro goes, look at the face of Eo Shirai, he goes... She's, like, in absolute shock. He says, nobody's ever kicked out of her moonsault. And I'm just like, well, why was that the situation where she had to kick out of the moonsault? Yeah. That was just weird to me. And then, seconds later, Io Shirai uh, hooks in a a grounded Koji clutch and wins. Yeah. uh, Candice passes out. A move which she's never, which she's never used anymore whatsoever. That's why we described it as an AEW finish. It's also a New Japan kind of finish because AEW's fucking go-to thing is to have somebody hit a move that is known for their finisher. The person kicks out, and they then they do another move that they either repeat the finisher again or do a completely other move. That doesn't make any sense to finish the match. And that wins And that finishes yeah. the match. It... New Japan has the freaking tendency to do that, too, and I hate that. Like, they do that a lot with stuff. Like, they'll have people kick out of a finish, and then literally go redo the same move again, and then it's over. Or they'll hit a complete different move, and then it's over. It'll just have this last little sequence that then ends the match. It's like, well, why wasn't that the end of the match beforehand? Was the last, like, minute and a half really, like, necessary for this match? Like... Yeah. It just it just didn't make any sense why she had to win with the Koji Clutch when clearly she had the moonsault. Like, the match went 15 minutes. Like, that's pretty long, even for a TakeOver women's match. Like, that's a, that's a pretty 
freaking long time for it, and that's and they deserve that because these two freaking put out a fucking not only just a women's match, a non-women's title women's match. This match went longer than the women's title match. Yep, and these two put on a fucking hell of a performance, both of them. Like, I love the Poison Rana spot that you said you said you liked it too because it was like. We've never seen a poison rana that leads right to a pin all the time. Yeah. It's always you hit the move, and then it's like slow crawling to get the pin. And it's just like, or it doesn't even end in a pin. Like, Candace hits it and goes and lands right in a pin. Like, it was just so good. And it's like, this whole freaking thing just feels like it got kind of a little smudge on it with that stupid, you know, the moonsault should have been it. But it was like, uh, let's just get a little something in there first. I, I feel like the only reason why they were doing that is because they were trying to get over the fact that... I feel like that submission, they were trying to have her use as an actual move. But she never used it again afterwards. And if she does, I don't... Or if she has, I don't remember her using it for anything else but this. Because it's like... I feel like they're like, yeah, you're a heel now, you can't do the... You can't do the flashy fucking moonsault because every, everyone's gonna fucking be in awe of the moonsault. But even when she was healed, she was still winning with the moonsault. Yeah. So it didn't matter. But I, I feel like that was the mindset. They were like, you're, you're gonna start doing the submission now because you, like, you're healed. You can't be doing a fucking See, I don't, I don't like that. Move. Just because it's a flashy move doesn't mean a heel can't use it. Like, come on. Well, like, the, the, the flashy style is more for, like, suit, like, it's more resonating with a, a baby face. Yeah, I guess, but... When you... You don't think of many heels that do, like, fucking high-flying stuff besides, like, Rollins. And Osprey. Like, and even Pac. Pac is, like, both. We don't, we don't know what Pac is anymore, because I don't even think he knows what he is either. But it's like, either way, even with the little minute and so, like, freaking like, ending that really made no sense, it was still an awesome match. Yeah. Like, hands down. So, two in a row, kickoff for NXT right here for this. And then it follows up with the North American Championship match. Velveteen Dream defending against Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. And I didn't expect for us to have to say that name on our show. Oh, don't worry. It's it's gonna probably be said a lot now during the show because we didn't even just we've never actually talked about all the BS that was going on with him nowadays. Because there ain't really much to talk about there. We don't get. There's nothing to talk about there. Yeah, we don't. You don't. He's already going through. He's clearly going through some stuff, and you don't really need to. Exactly. Bring it up. This match goes 15 minutes. Velveteen Dream retains. Now, this was, of course, the start of Roderick Strong chasing the North American title to try to complete the, of course, the prophecy, the yep. golden prophecy of, of Undisputed Era. And it was originally just going to be a one-on-one -on -one like that, but then the one week they're on NXT and they're cutting a promo against each other and then Pete Dunne showed up back in NXT... And they made it a triple threat. And it's just... So I'm expecting, hands down, fantastic match. Because this was still around the time of enjoying Velveteen Dream. 
enjoying Roger Strong, which I still do today, and still enjoy Pete Dunne. Hands down. Like, all three. Yeah. And 15 minutes, first off, feels a hell of a lot longer than this. Mm-hmm. But it's an awesome, absolutely awesome match. Yeah, it was so good. Like, just, I know people give Roddy shit, and it's just like, but when Roddy wrestles, it's so hard to, like, downplay him wrestling. He's that fucking good. That's the problem, though. He's so good in the ring that you can't downplay his wrestling. And then when he's not wrestling and he's forced to do the other stuff that a wrestler does, like cut a promo or be charismatic or not suck the energy out of the fucking room just by standing there, he can't do it. Oh, God. He can't talk. He can't fucking... His the the favorite thing that I used to fucking make fun of him for when he was Roger Strong <laughs> on his own, he would go up on the fucking turnbuckle, wait for his theme song to get to a certain point. This is before Undisputed Era. Too, he would be so. wearing a fucking jacket all the way zipped up, and he gets up on the fucking turnbuckle. And my favorite thing to make fun of him for because at a certain point there was a beat drop in his uh, in his theme song, his original solo theme song. So he would get up onto the fucking turnbuckle, wait for that beat drop, <laughs> fling that fucking zipper down on the jacket, and then fucking hold the jacket out like, ah! But a normal person, like I just did, would show some fucking oof in it. He'd be like, ah! But the way fucking Roderick Strong came about it, he fucking zipped that jacket down, and it seemed like he would go, ah! <laughs> It was always funny to watch you make fun of that. Because it was so fucking hysterical. And you could tell that he was trying. He, he tried so hard. You could see in his facial expressions that he was trying so hard to put some oof into it. And it would be like, ah! You could just see the thing, the issue, again, you're right. Because Roddy just, he never has a character. He never has a character. And he, even when he does, he can't really play off it well. It was like, literally, like, he, I, when I watched him come out to his end, to the Undisputed Era entrance, he gets, like, a mediocre, like, reaction from the crowd. And I know it's not saying much with this, because Canada freaking here tonight was, like, fucking rough, was show. rough for a fucking crowd. But, like, he gets a mediocre reaction, and then when he comes out, like, they don't make a fucking peep. <laughs> That's like a Roderick Strong entrance nowadays. Like, when you, when they watch him wrestle, they fucking, like, cheer and clap, and they're freaking all like, this is awesome, and everything else. But it's like, when he comes out, and they listen to him talk, and everyone's just like, how are we supposed to react to this? Yeah, it's like Roderick Strong on his way to the ring, you're just like, oh, cool, Roderick Strong match is about to happen. And then you look back down at your phone and wait for the bell to ring, and you're like, all right, time to pay attention. Because all you care about with Roderick Strong is his wrestling. He's mm-hmm. fantastic as a wrestler. I mean, he got fucking shit on up the wazoo during the fucking Bobby Roode feud. Oh, yeah. Like, my God. It shows you how, like, he's missing that character and promo ability big time. And that that was the best part about Roderick Strong's NXT, well, besides the Undisputed Era stuff. 
that was the best, like, solo Roderick Strong experience because he had someone to play off of. The point was to feel... He, the point was to root for Roderick Strong against a absolute cocky dickhead Bobby Roode. Yeah. But it's like, in the end, it was tough to root for Roddy because he just couldn't come up with that punch to come back against... Yeah. Robert against Bobby Roode. And then it was every, so tough. Every time that he would try to do so, it sounded like he was about to fucking break down in the ring. Right? It's like Roderick Strong's a fucking Jenga fucking tower. Yeah. He's literally like if you move if you hit that one block, he just fucking crumbles. It just crumbles. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't it's it's it sucks. And that, and that one block through his entire fucking NXT career has been promos. And charisma. And fucking... A character. A character. He just has none of it. When when he's tr- when he tries his hardest to do it, it just comes off as he's about to fucking piss himself. <laughs> Which I mean, makes no sense, because he's he's been doing this for so fucking long. His Undisputed Era stuff is some of the best stuff he's done. He's been doing this since, like, the beginning of fucking ROH's lifespan. And he still doesn't know how to fucking cut a promo. He still doesn't know how to fucking show some fucking charisma. And he he still doesn't have a character. He's just, watch me wrestle good. He's just like a fantastic wrestler. Hits like a fucking truck. But it's like, that's all you get from Roddy. And that's what sucks. Because even in Undisputed Era, as cool as it is that he's in there, and it makes fucking sense that he's in there. Yeah. Like, he still felt like the odd man out there. Which sucks, because again, that's Roderick Strong in a fucking nutshell here. He always feels like the odd man out. Even fucking in Diamond Mine, he feels like the odd man out. Mm-hmm. It's just like... Like at the beginning of Diamond Mine, he felt like, oh yeah, he's the he's the, like de facto leader, because it's a, he's surrounded by a bunch of guys that nobody knows about. Mm-hmm. And then those people that you didn't know about started fucking establishing names. The Creed's. Ivy Nile. We won't talk about Tyler Rust and Hachiman and all the other ones that got released in fucking weeks. Hey, don't get me wrong. Tyler Rust, as much as he got freaking like barely any time, the guy was great. The guy was great. I'll give him that. He wasn't bad. I enjoyed him. Like, I liked him. Like, I thought he was gonna go do some good stuff in Diamond Mine, but I guess I was completely fucking wrong. He's fucking faded away and disappeared in the goddamn horizon somewhere. Yeah, Pete Dunn. Love a fucking Pete Dunn match. Come on. How could you not? Velveteen Dream. Now, oh boy. We listen. We will all every time everybody in the IWC will always remember that he's involved with some shit. Before all that even happened, we all loved Velveteen Dream. Like, we always wondered, would his character make it on the main roster? Because remember all the times he would even try? He would go, remember he had the call me up Vince on his pants. And it was just like, he always gave that vibe of, if he made it on the main roster, there was something about it that said Vince would probably fucking love him. Like, when Vince was still in charge, 
if Velveteen Dream had been called up at some point, Vince would have probably loved the guy. He had a hell of a look. His character is fucking out there. Like, out there. Yeah. Like, Vince probably would have fucking loved it. It would have been... If, if he didn't, that would have surprised the shit out of me. Like... I've even said it to you. There was a time... Like, even before all the allegations... There was a time and a stint... Where I just got bored with Velveteen Dream. It was just like... Yeah, same. The guy's great. Don't get me wrong. Like, but he's just... Not only did he, like, fuck his own career up with all the bullshit, like, it just... It, it just showed in the end, like, his character wasn't gonna work. It felt like. It felt like it showed, like, his character just wasn't gonna work. Like, it just felt like it got stale. Well, I don't think that's his character... I don't think that's his fault. No, I, think, I don't think it's I, his. I think that comes down to NXT creative. I think it's because they, they left just, him there too long. Not only did they leave him there too long, but they also just didn't make any significant changes. That's true. They just kept his character the same since he showed up until he was until he disappeared because of the allegations. He was yeah. the same Velveteen Dream the entire time through all the fucking North American title matches that he had, all the North American title reigns, he was the same Velveteen Dream. And then specifically towards that second North American title reign, mm -hmm. he just would not lose that title. He wouldn't. Yeah. It was, it was brutal to sit there watching over and over again and you're like, yeah, you know, this this is the time that fucking Velveteen Dream's gonna lose that North American title. Nope. Okay, this this gotta be that time that he loses that North American title. Nope. Is this one of those situations where it became like we've done, like we talked about nowadays with NXT? Where even a certain somebody else on this show where it was just they just didn't know the limit they just didn't know, like, when was the time to go, hey, maybe it's time for something new. Maybe it's time for something, like, different. Yeah, this is this was one of those situations that they... They basically had the gun in their hand, and somebody goes, this is the gun to end, North, uh, end Velveteen Dream's North American title reign. All you gotta do is pull the trigger when you're ready. And then they sat there. And sat there. And sat there. And sat there. And then the guy who handed them the gun in the first place, like, hey, you ever gonna you ever gonna pull that trigger? They're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're just gonna wait till we're ready. Literally, and then they just sat there. And sat there some more. The fact that Velveteen Dream held the title twice. Still, like, the second one was the most unnecessary title run ever. Yeah. The first one I understand. Like, the second one, again, it fell in the fucking time of, you know, the allegations. So it happened and everybody was like, why does it feel like he's just getting fucking rewarded at this point? Like, 
it just it was the wrong decision to put it back on him at that time. And it was like, it just, again, it was one of those, you have to know when to pull the trigger thing. Like, because literally it says Roddy didn't win the title until September 18th. And this show was in August. Literally a month later. Yes. So, that's crazy. That's nuts. Like, the match is fucking awesome, though. Yeah. Like, awesome. Like, it still surprised me that Pete Dunne never held the North American title. At least once. It surprised me that Pete Dunne didn't win a single title in, in NXT. NXT mainstay. After he left freaking after he lost the UK title. Like yeah. yeah, that surprised the shit out of me too. Like always they put him in so many high profile title matches. NXT title matches, North American title matches, tag team title matches. Oh they he put was him in, the tag team champion. Yeah. But for We're how fucking real. Yeah, but for how long not very long. Yeah, exactly. The freaking whatever the hell they called the themselves. Broserweights. I love the Broserweights. I love the Broserweights. I loved fucking Roddy and and Pete Dunne as a tag team. I love the turn that we got when Roddy did that. Like overall, fifteen minutes. This match is awesome. Velveteen Dream retains. Again, this felt like a time when they should have pulled the trigger. Maybe put it on Pete for a little bit. Start the fucking, uh, start to kind of build the freaking golden prophecy coming fulfilled. Like, mm-hmm. so that way only, you know, Fish and O'Reilly had to just win the tag titles. Something. But, you know, Velveteen Dream retained. But it overall was an awesome match because even the ending, just Pete Dunne hitting that bitter end. Or Roddy hitting the uh, end of Heartache. You know, like, we just get Dream get chucked out of the ring, and Roddy goes, fuck this, I'm just gonna go for it, and, like, hits him with the end of Heartache, but we just get the elbow drop that knocks Roddy out from there completely, and then Velveteen Dream pins Pete Dunne. It's like, again, Roddy didn't get pinned. So, again, it kept him in the North American title scene, because he did not get pinned. Yeah. So, three for three already for NXT, but that's just normally what an NXT show was back in the day. It was just every match seemed yeah, to hit. You, you never had a, a dull match. It rarely, always seemed like it. Rarely ever you, did you have a dull match in on an NXT TakeOver. Except for this one, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Shayna Baszler and Mia Yim for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, if I'm not mistaken here, this is the second portion of Shayna's championship run. Because if I remember clearly, she had lost the title to Kyrie, Yep. And then won it back. She won it at Evolution, I think. Yes. So this is the second half of the Shayna Baszler reign. This match is rough to get through. And that's not, uh, like, this is not trying to shit on Mia Yim. It's not trying to shit on Shayna Baszler, okay? I think you said it best. These two are really good, but their chemistry with each other. It's just not there. It's the mixture of the lack of chemistry between the two, and like we've said basically throughout this entire episode, the crowd just fucking sucked. 
Scene, I thought these two were going to have an awesome match. I really did. Because I figured these two would actually have some kind of chemistry with each other. But it's like, I don't know. It just didn't, it, it just didn't hit. No, it, they just... And it, it's, it's not to fault to any of those two that they don't have chemistry. It's just, sometimes wrestlers don't have chemistry with each other. Yeah. Like, they could be some of the greatest fucking wrestlers in the world, and then they could finally pair up, and they just don't have the chemistry in the ring together. Now, again, this was early Mia Yim. And again, I really enjoy Mia Yim. I do. I like Mia Yim. I followed a lot of her Impact stuff with the dollhouse and all that stuff like that. And the feud with Rosemary, which was fucking awesome. And when she came to NXT, I was like, this is freaking cool. I can't wait to see it. Like, like she's gonna, she could be one, at the time, I literally thought she could be one to take it off Shayna. Because again, this was the second half of this big title run she had. And it was just like, I don't know. Like, and when I look at this... See, for... You just said that you felt like me Yim could have. And I'm the exact opposite. I thought there was no scenario that me Yim... Even, I remember in in the scenario... I remember going back to 2019, watching NXT. I'm just like, me Yim has no chance. I felt like this whole thing with me Yim was literally just a placeholder. It was just a placeholder to get her... To get Shayna Baszler farther in her fucking title reign, and the fact that this her title reign still goes like so long after this, we have to wait till fucking Rhea Ripley comes up to NXT. How do we even describe Shayna Baszler's title run? Would you say? Do you think it just, like, got drug out too much? Like, after a while? After a while, they... It just got to the point where they felt like they just needed to fucking push the title reign farther and farther. So they kept doing the same finish over and over again. Where it was like, oh, Shane is about to lose. Send in the, send in the lackeys. And fucking Marina and Jessamine would get involved. Do you ever feel like that kind of puts a bad like, smudge on her title run, that pretty much every stint of her title run from here on out was just Marina and Jessamine interfering all the time? Do you ever feel like that kind of puts a smudge on it? It definitely made it more boring. Like, I don't think Shayna Baszler's awful. I like Shayna Baszler. And it's like, if people are gonna fucking say, well, it's the right thing to do, you're supposed to make her dominant because MMA, like... Can we stop with that fucking nonsense again? Like, you can't just fucking always use the fucking MMA goddamn, like, like, answer every time. Like, it just, it's one of those things where it just gets played out too much. Yeah. Like, when there's a fucking mark where it says, this should be it right here, then it's time to fucking hit that mark and try something different. Not drag it out because X amount of reasons. You know it's bad when NXT is still doing this to this day. Yes. Carmelo Hayes can't win a fucking match without Trick. 
And a vast majority of Mandy Rose matches can't be won without fucking Gigi Dolan and JC Jane getting involved. Just recently, Mandy Rose has been winning matches clean. Yeah. Okay, I think her last two matches, she's... Well, the one... The, the triple threat I count as winning clean. The Zoe Stark one, I don't know if I would call that clean. I still don't know if I can call that a clean win. She used the knee brace. That's hard to fucking say it's a clean win. But it's like, Shayna Baszler, to me, had already passed her expiration date there. Oh, yeah, she was... At this point, she was... It's like you put her in the oven, and then it was in perfect amount of time, and then you've, like... Shayna Baszler is like a chicken tender. Uh, what? You put it in the oven... It's a hell of a comparison you already. You read the fucking label, it's like fucking... Uh... Oven... Preheat the oven 350, then put them in for 15 minutes on 350. You put them in, and it's like... Perfectly done. Perfect crispy. And you're like... Mm-hmm. Ah, I, I want it a little bit crispy. So you put it in for another five. And then you go outside for a walk. And you're like... You're halfway down you the distracted. road. That's like you get distracted talking to your neighbor. And you completely forgot that you left something in the oven. Yeah, you're fucking... You're talking to your neighbor about like the mailman not bringing your fucking mail in. And then you're like... Oh, shit. And then fucking you run back. The fucking stove is on fire. The fucking <laughs> fire alarm's going off. Beep, 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 beep. You turn the oven off. You pull the th- fucking chicken tender out. And it's fucking burnt to a crisp. You touch it and immediately turns to ashes. Shayna Baszler's title reign got way... It got, it got stale. Because all of her matches were repetitive, and it just felt like it was never-ending. Yeah. Like, there's a time when a freaking mark is hit, and it's time to freaking move on to something different. And this was one of those situations of it's an involve. It's one, it's one part of a seemingly, like, unexcusable, like, drug-out title run. And it's like, you can make the excuse, oh, we didn't want to pin Shayna. Do you just forget about fucking history? And again, like, I'm hoping it's like, not because of back, the anime shit. Go like, back. Is, that's probably. Go back in time. Please. There was a fucking women's champion in NXT that you didn't want to pin. You know what you did? She reached her expiration date in NXT. So, she just stripped the... She just vacated the belt and left... I'm talking about Asuka. She fucking was undefeated she literally for ran like through. 700 days or some shit like that. She literally ran through the division. Ran through literally everyone. And instead of them forcing a pin on Asuka... They kept her undefeated on the main roster. She goes, well, I have nothing else to do here. So, here you go. Here's everybody else's here, turn. Here's the belt. I'm out. Have a good day. Like, what stopped you from doing that with Shayna? Right? And the bad thing is, is when Rhea 
wins the title from Shayna, oh, Shayna doesn't go up to the main roster immediately. Right? Didn't they have a rematch, too? They have a rematch. And then she just sits there for, like, four months after. It was just... She doesn't show up until the fucking Royal Rumble! It, it just didn't make sense. None of it. Like, the title run got drawn out way too much. And it was like... Everybody was on that... Everyone I remember fucking clearly saying that there was no reason why Shayna should lose because, again, you know the main reason why. And we gotta stop looking at it like that. Like, I hate that. I am over that BS. Just because she's an MMA fighter does not mean she should always win here. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. That just doesn't make fucking sense. Like I said, look at it as it's not a fucking MMA fighter. Look at it as it's somebody different. If that's the case, then Ken Shamrock should have been fucking... Right? WWE there's no re- then, there's, for- then there should be no reason why Ken Shamrock lost. There should be no reason why Matt Riddle is losing if he's an MMA guy. There should be no reason why Ronda Rousey has ever lost yet. If she's a fucking MMA... If she's been an MMA, like... It's just... You gotta know when to fucking say enough's enough. Not drag it out and go... You know, we should keep going with this. This'll work. Like, Shayna is a sad, is a pretty, is a victim of a drawn-out title run for no reason, in a nutshell. Like, when she lost to Kyrie, I thought that was it. But when they put it right back on her after that, and Kyrie barely had a fucking title run... I was like, well, what the fuck was the point, first off? All because they were fucking calling Kyrie up to the main roster to team with fucking Asuka. So why'd you even bother giving her the title then, at that point? Well, you... NXT can't control what Vince McMahon at the time would fucking decide. Well, they would do something and Vince McMahon would be like, Hey, you know that Kyrie sane woman... Oh, we want her on the main roster. Uh, Vince, we just gave her the women's title. I don't give a shit! Call her up to the main roster, have her up on Raw, we're gonna debut our tag team. That's why I'm glad it's not that anymore. But now we're at the fucking stint where NXT's not calling anybody up, which is a fucking problem. Yeah. We've had one call-up in the past, like, fucking four months. Like, year and a half, it feels like. Yeah. It's been a long time since we got a call up. The last like. one was fucking Giovanni Vinci. And this, that was like... I, that was like an unexpected fucking call up. Yeah, it was really random. Yeah. We're just waiting for fucking Legato to show up. Right? Who the, no, who the hell knows when that's gonna be. It's just... it's. Yeah, this match just... It goes 14 minutes and 35 seconds. And Shayna retains. And it just... I don't know. I just wasn't into it. I just wasn't yeah, into it. And I like both women. Don't get me wrong. But it it's just, like... It, it really just wasn't good. It just didn't hit. Like it should've. Like you expect... Like you could kind of expect that it, that it could've. But it just didn't. It just didn't in the end. The, like, the best part was probably the, the code blue off the top. Yeah, and that wasn't even a really good code blue either. Because she only had one arm hooked. Yeah. Which So it wasn't like even the greatest code blue like... It just seemed like, I don't know, this is maybe up there as, I'd say, Shayna's worst title defense here. Definitely one of them. Up here, it's this, and I think, I still think the Bianca match. Yeah. 
because... Because that should have been the time that Bianca won, but... Yeah, but even then, like, that wasn't Bianca's greatest fucking performance either. Yeah. In that match, so... It's up there. And then the main event. Adam Cole defending the NXT Championship against Johnny Gargano in their second two out of three falls match. This one is stipulation based. Two out of three falls match. Would, in other words, it was basically three two, stages yeah, of hell. Three stages of hell. Which I don't get why they didn't just call it that. It's clearly what it was. Why didn't they just call it three stages of hell? Because who could see hell on TV? Well, they could say hell in a cell. Exactly. Is that why we call it heck in a sec now? Or freaking hate in a crate? Or whatever the fuck we call it now? No, they call it... They call, they call it hell in a cell. <laughs> oh, hell in a... Yeah. Oh, like the name of the freaking My Chemical Romance song? Yeah. Hell in a cell. Cell. <laughs> so it's like a name. Yeah. Their name is Helena. I Hell wonder if Cell. there is a woman called Helena Cell. That'd be pretty fucking funny. That'd be kind of fitting. She's like, I get recognition every time they mention my name when Helena Cell comes around. She's like, I'll accept my royalties. <laughs> That'd be fucking hysterical. That's just weird, though, if somebody had a last name called Cell. That's yeah. just bizarre. But still, that's what names are nowadays. Bizarre as fuck, but you yeah, know what? Beyonce called their fucking kids Blue Ivy and Royal Blue and Sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> anyway. So, they've had the two out of three falls match where Johnny Gargano won the title, followed by another takeover where Adam Cole literally won the title after that. So Johnny's title run is like nothing. Yeah, that, that first match... Was when I think it was when Champa vacated the title because he had to fucking go get neck surgery, mm -hmm. and then the immediate next takeover, Adam Cole wins the title. I believe it was. I don't remember which one Johnny wins the title, but I know it. I believe it's Takeover New York, where Cole wins the title. But I might be wrong. I might be wrong here. But yeah, it's just like he wins the title. And then, just, Johnny just wins the title, and then Cole takes it off him, and I'm like, why do I feel like you fucked up here? Why do I feel like you were just gonna put it on Cole to begin with, so why didn't you just do it, then? Like, it was just weird, like, they just wanted to give Johnny a title at first, and it was like, oh, here you go, uh, yay! <laughs> like... It says, Cole defeated Velveteen Dream Ricochet, Alistair Black, and Matt Riddle in a fatal five-way to face Johnny for the vacant title. So, that's probably, that's the one match that I fucking love. Mm -hmm. It's that fatal five-way. It's awesome. So, Johnny goes in, because I remember they immediately kept Johnny in it after Champa, and I just remember this now, when Champa vacated it, they kept it with Johnny immediately that Johnny was still in the match. Yeah. But then they were trying to figure out who was going to be the opponent at the time. Yeah. So, which Cole wins the Fatal Five-Way, and that Fatal Five-Way is awesome. So, yeah, we get Cole losing the two out of three falls match. TakeOver 25 is the other one, is the one where Cole wins the title, which I thought was in New York. 
No, it's in Connecticut. I don't remember, because I remember them facing each other at New York, I thought. Yeah, that's that's where Johnny won, take over New oh, York. Oh, so New York was Johnny winning the title. 25 is where Cole wins the title. And then we have the rematch here. At TakeOver Toronto. Yes. Two out of three falls match with a stip like I said, stipulation, of course, pretty much three stages of hell. Don't get why they didn't call it that. Mm-hmm. So the first fall is Adam Cole's choice. He says, I've pinned Johnny already. I've already done it before. I've done it multiple times now. I've pinned Johnny's mats, like, shoulders to the mat. So our first fall is going to be a straight-up wrestling match. Straight-up regular one-on-one. Johnny got to pick the second stipulation, which he said a street fight. William Regal made it was the one who got to pick the third stipulation, which he had ended up picking a barbed wire steel cage that had a shit ton of weapons inside of it. Mm-hmm. So, again, you're it, it's Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. These two have had fucking classics. So I don't expect, so going into this, I didn't expect anything less but a fucking classic. So the first fall, the one-on-one, Johnny Gargano gets himself disqualified by using a steel chair. I immediately wanted to call Johnny an idiot, but I was like, no, he's just prepping himself. That's not really that bad of a thing, because it jumps right into Street Fight right after that. So I'm like, eh, I guess it's not that bad of a freaking thing. Like, it doesn't feel as bad. He doesn't feel as dumb. Like, yeah, he throws away the first fall and gives it to Cole, but again, it hops right into the street fight with no freaking wait period, so wasn't really the dumbest decision. Johnny wins the second fall by tapping out Adam Cole, and then we get the third fall, the barbed wire steel cage. Now, re-watching this match... I enjoy... I think this match... Because, again, it's it's Johnny and Adam Cole. I love both those guys. I think this match is still awesome. But I remember the night of watching this. I got so tired watching this. And it just felt like it drug on and on and on. I remember feeling that as well. Like, their first match... Their first two out of three falls match did not feel as long as this. I remember feeling that as well, and then re-watching it, I felt it again. I didn't. I felt it... I probably felt it stronger this re-watching it than I did the first time around. Like, I remember... I was to the point, because every single one of these fucking stipulations, every single one of the falls, the match went, like, fucking 20 minutes. Yeah, the, the first was, fall This was so three long. fucking 20-minute matches in in a single match. It was nuts. Like, they... The first the first fall took so long to get to the conclusion that it was just like... It felt like their regular one-on-one matches. Like, they go long. Yeah. But it was like the whole first stage was about as long as a regular one-on-one between Gargano and Cole. Yeah. 
And then they followed it up with like a 15-minute, possibly almost 20-minute street fight. So it was like, oh, God, this might be... It was getting to the point re-watching this. The me, me and you were sitting in this room watching it, and I was laying on this couch that we're sitting on. I was like, oh, my fucking God, just end this already. See, like I said, I enjoyed... I really enjoyed it now actually being able to, like... It's It, it wasn't like get this over already because I was hating the match. It was boring. I loved the match. It was just so fucking long. I know. And it's... They, at this point, we're, we're fucking on the third fall, and they're starting to repeat the same fucking goddamn spots you know, over and over You know what the again. one issue was about it still? Was the fucking crowd. Yep. Their reaction is fucking terrible, this entire fucking match. This is a 52-minute-plus match. And I think also one of the other uh, problems with this match is that through two falls, you've seen... Every single one of fucking Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole's fucking repertoire. You've seen yeah. it all. You've seen the super kicks, the fucking Panama Sunrises, the fucking... The booms, the fucking... The headshot, the... All of it. You, for Johnny, you've seen the super kick, the fucking spear through the ropes. The, the Gargano escape. The Gargano the, escape, the fucking... The DDT over the one the final beat, you know. You've seen it all. And then you reach the third fall, and you're, they have to do the same things over and over again in a way that isn't repetitive. So they start doing fucking moves off the top and fucking off of ladders and fucking... There was the sunset flip in the cage, which was something that we didn't see between their matches. Well, yeah. That was about it, but, like, that was the only different thing. But again, the crowd was my main issue with it. Just no fucking reaction. And again, because I think it falls victim into the fucking, you know, like we were feeling, watching it the first time ever, live. Like, just watching it. Like, the, by the time yeah, this like, freaking match before, got through, like, the before second... Before this match, they they literally went through basically four straight matches that went 15 minutes. Yes. And now they have to sit through a 52-minute and 26-second match. Yeah. It was... Again, it's an awesome match, but it's like the crowd doesn't make you feel motivated to watch it. Yeah, no. And it's just like, yeah, the the first night, like watching it, the night watching it live, when it actually came on, like I was drained. Like I was ready to crash. And it was just like the match kept going and going and going. And I'm like, I'm like, now I understand... Like, it's and I, Cole and Gargano. They did not need to make every fall, every stage, go 20 minutes. That's what it felt like. It felt like. I didn't... It, like, I, I don't think it, like, actually was two, 20 minutes each, but two still had felt to, long. The first two had to go at least, like, 20 minutes. I mean, the, the first fall itself is long. It's about as long as a regular Cole and Gargano match. Yeah, it, it would, it's just way too It long. took forever to get to decide the first stage. Then by the time we hit a fucking street fight, it was another tacked on, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. And it was like, oh, God, this might be a slog to get through. Three years ago, we were feeling the fucking, the drag of this match. And for, for me, at least, three years later, I still felt the fucking, the slog. 
I still felt it. And again, I felt it worse this time around. And again, I blame the crowd. I blame the crowd for a lot of for a lot of it. Because it's like, their reaction could have kept you fucking energized and motivated. And even their reaction was just like, okay, this is a little... It was off. just draining. Like, these two could have gone 60 minutes, like in an Iron Man match, and I think it would have been fine, but again, the crowd needed to react to something. Yeah. The crowd needs to be a part of it they as well. They could not have been as quiet as they, yeah. as they were that night. They just were not good. Toronto just was not a good crowd for this show because literally all they were doing was like they'd react and then they were silent and then they would react at some random point and then they were silent. And I was like, oh, come on Toronto, pick it the fuck up. Like the entire women's match, they are silent. And I don't mean like the EO and Candice. Like they make some noise in the EO and Candice match. But during the women's title match, they make not a fucking peep. Yeah, they are fucking... Literally, when Shayna wins the match, they still don't make a fucking peep. You could probably hear the fucking... The, the popcorn machine up in the fucking... Up in the concession stands. But for me, like, again, re-watching this match, I enjoyed it. Because, again, the night of watching it, I was drained. I just... I got drained watching it. But actually, you know, being, like fully aware and watching the match again it's a fantastic match it's it's in there to me it's fantastic but that's just maybe my personal liking for Cole and Gargano I don't know I think it's fantastic it's in there with their series of matches that's just fucking like incredible so yeah, all like, in all like for me the, the match was still really, really fucking good. It was just so fucking draining. I remember, li like I said, live, it was. It was draining. Like, it would just got to the point where it was like, oh, Even for no. me, rewatching, it was still fucking draining. I mean, overall, because I got to watch it again, and actually, you know, not feel like I was gassed watching it, but I, I enjoyed it overall. So, even the whole show... Minus the women's title, but even just with that being in there in the card, I think the rest of the card. It, it still, even as we were saying, just because we didn't personally like Shayna and my or Mia Yim, that doesn't mean the match was terrible. No, it just wasn't good. Like it wasn't. Yeah. It was just. Kind that's of, not. And again, that's not shitting on Shayna and Mia. I think they're both really fucking good. Like, it was just... Some matches just are sort of there. And that was one of... that that That's what this match was. It was just sort of there. A lot of the time... It wasn't good, but it wasn't terrible as well. A lot of the it time, if you think there. about it, the NXT women's title is normally the... the match that doesn't get a lot of recognition on it. Yeah. Like, there's a few times that the NXT women's title has been one of the, the standout points of the show... This wasn't it. This is not that situation. Like, overall, I still think the show is fucking excellent, though. Overall, completely, show is excellent. Yeah. Main event, the triple threat, the EO and Candice, the tag team titles. Like, that, that's just what you expected from TakeOver. That's what we used to get from TakeOver. TakeOver was the highlight of fucking pay-per-views. Yes. 
That's why everyone used to say that all the time, because that is how TakeOver felt. Once it, once base, it was basically every big four slash five pay-per-view that there was a TakeOver in front. Everyone was more excited for the TakeOver than the actual big WWE yeah, show. Yeah, because this is when the main roster shit was abysmal. Yep. Still abysmal. Like, this is when you'd get, like, occasional good things on Raw... SmackDown was still kind of in the tank. Well, it was actually the other way around. Raw was the fucking god-awful yeah. show. SmackDown was actually somewhat of the redeeming quality, because that was towards the... It was, like, in the middle or, like, towards the end of the the Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan phase, where Daniel Bryan was transitioning back as a wrestler. Mm -hmm. And I think it was around the time that we, he was about to become WWE Champion... Or I mean, no, it was after WWE Champion, because SummerSlam, the night after this, Kofi was WWE Champion. I mean, the best part about this... So then this was... This was... This was Daniel Bryan mid, like, Rowan attacking Roman. Yeah. Who attacked Roman Reigns? And the fucking doppelganger of Rowan there, yeah, which the, is the guy who looks weird. like a fucking a plumber, which is weird as fuck. Still like, and then Rowan turning on Brian. Yeah, all just fucking weird. Like, twenty nineteen is a strange SmackDown is a strange thing for twenty nineteen. Raw is still rough to get through, and then it's like, again, this was still an NXT was still the standout thing. So, again, we, we enjoyed the fuck out of it. I enjoyed this show overall. Like, yeah. Main event may have been a slog, but it's like, it's still enjoyable as fuck. Still great. The whole entire show is excellent. It's an NXT thing, so that's what NXT was. Excellent. So, let's let these guys know what our next show is. Now, from what I've heard, this is a show, these shows have no stories. So these are just matches. That makes all the sense in the world. Yep, because these are because just matches at this point. We which, pulled... which is very... It's very fitting that we pulled this, because WWE just got done on a fucking overseas, overseas show in Cardiff, Wales. So it only makes sense for your boys to go overseas as well... <laughs> We're as, going, we, as we go back to the year 2002, and we watch Rebellion 2002. Uh, first off, all I've heard is that Rebellion shows are literally just matches. There's no stories, no nothing. And just by possibly. looking at what the card is, it is a thousand percent understandable that it's just a show full of matches. It quite possibly could be the most random and most awful-looking card we could have possibly got. All we know right now going into this is it's a SmackDown exclusive A SmackDown exclusive UK show. Ugh. I have no idea how, like, I'm not even generally, like, amped to watch the show, especially after seeing what the main event is. It's going to be a rough one to get through. It's going to be a rough one. I can feel it. This might be a show where we do nothing but dig on it. I don't know what. 
I'm it's, just like... Honestly, you got a fucking... Uh, a high-ass hurdle to fucking jump over to be as bad or even worse than fucking Battle Bowl. So I'm at least fucking... I'm at least, <laughs> like... I'm, like... I'm hoping. I have a feeling this whole show, just wrestling-wise has an attempt to be good. Yeah. Being that it's just random fucking matches. Yeah, like, they, they have some good names on the card. Yeah, I think it has a chance to be good wrestling-wise. Especially since there's no, like I said, there's no story. So we'll see what it's going to be when we get to it. But as of now, we're coming back, like, from the year 2019. We're back here, done with that, wrapping up another classic pay-per-view. Overall, enjoyed the fuck out of it. Again, going back and watching old NXT pay-per-views, old takeovers, like, wish we still had those takeovers, you know? Yeah. Shows don't feel as big as that anymore. Like, some, like, this, the NXT shows are still, they have their moments still of being good, but it's just like, it still doesn't feel the same as a takeover anymore. Like, it's still... It feels different now. Nothing beats prime black and gold. Yeah. Like, I've, I've said it numerous times. I love... I, I like 2.0, but it will never be better than black and gold NXT. Hands down. So, that's it for us. We will be back soon with another classic pay-per-view review, with another weekly review. Until then... Find the podcast where you can find it. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me at JustinTime211. Follow me at JeremyTime721. Until then, we will be back. And right now, we are out of here.